He has risen. Awesome, that's right, he has. Hey, has it been a long week? For some it's been a long week. For some it's been a long month. For some it's been a long year, a long decade. For some it's been long for generations before generations before generations. You see, there's all this talk. Like one day a Savior will come. One day, and everyone is expecting, everyone's in anticipation, but it's been generation after generation after generation of, of hope and wondering, will, will he come? When will he come? And then all of a sudden, one day, Jesus shows up, and there's all of these talks of like, we think we found the one. This one, this Jesus, uh, his teachings, his life, the things that he is doing, man, it is incredible. And so there's celebration, there's wonder, there, there's all kinds of hope in the atmosphere, but the tone changes quickly. Because did you hear what happened? Uh, our, our leaders, the, the Pharisees and, and the rulers of the land, they put them on a cross. They put them on a cross, and, 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 and we were there, and, and we watched as the soldier pierced him in the side, and blood and water flowed. And we saw as they took him off of the cross and laid him in the tomb. And in that moment, it just felt like all of our hope was lost. Because we thought that he could be the one. But now he's laying in the tomb. And people don't come back from the dead. But it's Sunday morning. And all of a sudden... There's a new talk in town. Have you heard? There's talks of an empty grave. There's talks that Jesus has risen from the dead, that he has conquered death itself. <laughs> stories are being told. Mary has told stories. The disciples are telling, listen, he appeared to us. We were in this room, and the doors were locked, and then Jesus was there. Like He didn't even have to open the door. He just showed up in the room. He, he was there, and, and all of a sudden, news begins to spread throughout the town. Like, listen, there is resurrection hope. But, but wait, hold on. In this one moment, one of the disciples were missing. And he's like, no, 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 I, I'm glad that y'all say he's alive, but I need to see for myself. I need to touch. And to which Jesus shows up again for the second time and says, Thomas, come close. Touch it right here. Feel. See. Believe. Believe. And all it's just whoo. And, and then the scriptures say this that Jesus in that room with those disciples breathed on them. Which is a little bit weird, right? Like if I just kind of he said he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. And, and they're in the room and they're filled now with the Holy Spirit. And you've just got to imagine all that has happened in just a few days. There's been a death. There's been a resurrection. Jesus has showed up in this room. He's breathed his Holy Spirit power on these disciples. Uh, he's been, they've been given this charge. Listen, you're going to go and you're going to make disciples. All of these amazing things you're going to do. You're going to cast out demons. You're going to see people healed. People are going to get saved. All of this is happening. There's excitement in the air. And then in John chapter 21, there's this verse in which we find seven of the disciples still hanging out together. After this has taken place, after they've received the Holy Spirit, after they've experienced the resurrected Christ, 
And it starts like this. What do you want to do? Well, I don't know. What should, what should we do now? Jesus, I mean, he keeps showing up, but then he keeps leaving. Like he's resurrected, and he'll be here for a minute, but then he just kind of disappears on us. Like he's here, and he's gone, and what do you do? What do you do? I don't know. What do you want to do? We've got this charge. We've, we, you know, we're going to go, and we're going to make disciples. How do we do that? I mean, and to which Peter stands up, and because Peter's kind of the leader, and Peter's like, I got a plan, guys. I'm going fishing. I'm going fishing. So you got Peter and these seven other guys, and the rest of them just, I guess we're going too. I guess we're going. Sounds good. And they're, they're there, and they go to the Sea of Galilee, and the, the scriptures tell us that they're fishing all night long, all night long fishing, and they don't catch a thing, not one single thing. Remember, resurrected Christ, full of the Holy Spirit, charged, going to change humanity, going fishing, not one single fish. Man, we were sorry fishermen when Jesus called us, and we're still sorry fishermen today. And there's this moment as the sun begins to rise, it says, the scripture said that Jesus was standing at a distance and he calls out to them and says, and it's very casual, hey fellas, have you caught any fish? Have you caught any fish? And to which they reply one single word, no, no. And you could almost hear the frustration in their voice. You could hear it because here's the thing. If you ever talk to a fisherman and you ask them what have they caught, you will never get a one-word answer. You are about to get a story. You're actually going to get either one or two stories. And Cain will tell you because Cain charters fishing boats for a living. And he'll tell you, like, hey, Cain, did you catch any fish? And it'll either be, oh, it was the best day ever. And he'll start pulling the fish out, and he'll show them, take a selfie of that. Put that on Instagram. And they'll show off their catch, and they'll just say, everybody, these are the fish that we caught. Or if he had a really bad day, he's not going to say no. The next thing you're going to hear is a whole bunch of excuses. (laughs) I got the wrong boat. You know, we were just, I think we were fishing in the wrong spot. The bait wasn't the right bait. There was this one time, I mean, they were biting. They were nibbling. Almost had them in the boat. You ain't going to hear just no. And yet, this group of fishermen have fished all night long, and they give this one-word answer, no. Who, this dude on shore, and it's kind of funny that they can't recognize him. Because, you know, resurrected Christ. You would think that, you know, after the resurrection, that if it's Jesus, you know, he's kind of glowing in the dark, and he's just Jesus, and he's floating on the clouds, and it's, it's resurrected Christ. You think you would recognize him. But there's this pattern in the scripture. Actually, after the resurrection, time and time again, nobody recognizes him. Mary doesn't recognize him. Mary thinks he's a gardener. These travelers on the road to Emmaus, they're walking side by side by Jesus, and they don't recognize him. They just think he's a traveler. And now these fishermen who have spent years with Jesus and know him see him at a distance and still don't recognize him, don't recognize his voice. All they hear is, who is this dude on shore? We have caught nothing, no recognition. And then Jesus calls out to him. He says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to throw your net on the right side of the boat. 
Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Listen here. We're professional fishermen. (laughs) Pay no attention to the fact that we've caught nothing. But I'm no genius here. But you're telling me that there's no fish on the left side of the boat, but there's fish on the right side of the boat. You're telling me that eight feet away, there's a whole bunch of fish. But we've been fishing on the wrong side, and just right over here, no fish. Here there's fish. Listen, Jesus, we might be bad fishermen, but we're not that bad. Listen, I, I don't know about, if you know this, but fish, they, they do it in school. So there's usually a bunch of fish, and so they swim together. And so even if there was a bunch of fish on this side of the boat, there would be that one fish that would be like, hey, look at that net. <laughs> we would have caught one. We've been out here all night long fishing and fishing and fishing. We would have caught one, and yet you're just telling us to throw it on the right side of the boat eight feet away. But you know what? Let's just do what he says. Why not? We got empty nets anyway. Let's just give it a shot. Now, it's interesting because this is a very familiar scene. They're fishing in the same place that they fished three years earlier. Uh, And they have the same empty nets that they had three years earlier. And and they've experienced this moment before. And it's interesting because I don't know if you've ever heard this portion of Scripture before where Peter says, hey, I'm going fishing. I've always kind of heard it preach from a standpoint of it's almost this kind of like we give up. It's like, well, well what do you do now? Or, I, I don't know. Let's, let's just go fishing. It's almost this like we give up on life. We don't know what to do. Jesus is leaving. I give up. But what if, what if not, that's not what that scripture means at all? What if Peter wasn't saying we give up? What if when Peter said let's go fishing, what if Peter was saying Hey, we're not exactly sure what to do next. Let's go back to the place where we first met Jesus. Let's go back to the place where he first called us. So let's go fishing because just maybe if we return to that first love, that first encounter, just maybe Jesus will show up. And so the scene is there, and there's the disciples, and they're fishing. And even when Jesus showed up the first time, they had caught nothing. And Jesus told them, like, just just put your nets in the water if we'll go back out. And you just got to imagine the scene all night long, fishing, empty net after empty net. And then Peter telling stories. You could just see him like, man, if we could just catch one. Remember that one time? Remember that one time we were out there, and there was just one fish? Just a couple, just some bread, just some fish, and... A few, a little boy, and, and he's telling the story. And remember Jesus, he lifted it up. And we fed the multitude with that fish and that bread. If we could just get one, maybe we could do that again. But we keep coming up empty. Our nets keep coming up empty. And now this guy, he's saying, well, to put it on the right side of the boat, it's worth a shot. And so you just imagine they take their nets from one side of the boat and they put it on the other side of the boat and all of a sudden the nets begin to get filled with fish. And, and, and Peter and John lock eyes. And, and as the nets fill with fish, 
these words ring out, it's the Lord. It's the Lord, because only he could do this. Only he could fill these nets, because we've been trying all night long, and we've come up empty time and time again. It's the Lord. The Lord is filling these nets, and to which Peter is just like, oh my goodness. And so the scriptures actually say that Peter put on his clothes and jumped into the water, which is weird, because you don't put on clothes to jump into the water. You take them off and jump into the water. But Peter puts on some clothes, jumps into the water, swims to shore. The boat's still 100 yards from the shore, gets to Jesus. And you can just imagine the scene of Peter falling into the arms of his Savior. I'm just, yes, yes, you're here. Then we had empty nets, and then you filled the nets, and then all of this is coming back. And it's this moment in which Peter is just there with Jesus, and we returned to this place, and we were hoping that you would show up, and you did. But there's a distinct smell on the beach. See, the scriptures tell us that Jesus was already cooking breakfast for him, and he was cooking some fish and some bread over a charcoal fire. Now, it's very interesting that the scriptures tell us it was a charcoal fire, Because this word, charcoal fire, is only used uh, one other time in the entire New Testament. And that was a couple verses earlier in John chapter 18, where Peter is standing by a charcoal fire. You see, the night had come, and Jesus had told Peter, he said, Listen, you are going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And to which Peter was like, No, no, no. Even if everybody else, I'm your man. There's no way I'm going to deny you. And yet Jesus had been arrested. And and Peter's trying to follow from a distance. He finds himself in this courtyard. And a woman looks at him and asks him, hey, are you one of the followers of Jesus? And to which Peter replies, no. And then again, a slave girl comes up to him and says, no, no, no. You must be one of the followers of Jesus Peter again says no, and he was warming himself by this charcoal fire. A third time, someone asks him and says this. He says, no, 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 no. You have to be a follower of Jesus. We know that you're one of his by your accent. We could tell by your Galilean accent that you have to be one. Which is really interesting because Peter's trying to do everything he can to fit in, but his accent has given him away. My buddy Tommy, if you talk to him from about three seconds, you know real quick you ain't from here. Forget about it. You're from New York. You're from Jersey. Forget about it. How many in here are not from here? Come on, you can, it's okay. You can admit it in the room. In about 30 seconds of talking with you, we know you're not from here. How many of y'all are from here? Yeah. 30 seconds of talking to y'all, too. And we know you're from Barnum Town, Chun. We know you know how to fry some chicken. You can't, you know, the country is all over you. And that's what they're saying to Peter. Peter, you're way too country for the city. You're right here, you're in the city, you're way too country. We could tell you've been following Jesus by your accent. We know it in the sound of your voice. I was at the beach a few years ago. And there was these younger girls, probably, I don't know, teenagers, and they're literally fighting 
on the beach. And me and my buddy Jace just went and we're like, man, let's break up this fight. And so we break up the fight and Jace has one of the girls and I get the other girl and, you know, she's just heated. She's mad. She's fighting this girl. I mean, literally like this fighting on the beach. I'm like, come on, this is beauty of creation. Calm down. And uh, we're there and I'm trying to calm this girl down and I could tell real quick from her accent that she's from here. And so... And so I already kind of anticipated what's going to happen. So I'm trying to calm the girl down. I'm like, I'm like, like, listen, girl, hey, where are you from? Uh, Are you, you got to be from around here somewhere. Where are you from? And she said, and this is no joke. She said these words. I'm not from here. I'm from Ash. (laughs) All right, hold on. The very fact that you don't think Ash is from here shows that you're from here. Because, like, geography ain't your strong suit, because that's literally 10 minutes down the road, girl. Like, just calm down. It's a good day at the beach. We know, Peter, by your accent. And then Peter, he tries to change things up. And so he tries to change his voice. The Scriptures actually says he begins to use a profanity. He he begins to say words to let everyone know that, no, I am not a follower of Jesus. I'm going to begin to use the language and say things to disassociate myself with Jesus. I'm not one of his followers. And when he does this, for the third time, the rooster crows. He's standing by a charcoal fire. And the rooster crows. And the scriptures say that he wept bitterly. Because it's this moment in which he realizes, I'm not as strong as I thought I was. I didn't think I'd sell him out this easily. And it's just this moment, and he's there, and he's trying to be warm by the charcoal fire. And, And if you've ever been around a charcoal fire, there's a distinct smell. You know when somebody's been cooking on charcoal. As a matter of fact, if you're in the room here and you're all about barbecue, like you, you ain't cooking barbecue on no gas grill. You're going to cook it on, amen, come on somebody. Another local, another local in the room. We don't cook it on gas, we cook it on charcoal. And when you cook on charcoal, there's a smell of just, Fourth of July, oh, somebody's cooking something, somebody's barbecuing something. And so here's the thing about a smell. They, they say that actually smell is the number one way to trigger mem- memories. Two times in the scripture, this word charcoal fire is used. Once, the very first time, whenever Peter has sold out Jesus. And now Peter has found himself soaking wet after a night of not catching a thing, standing on the beach with Jesus, and Jesus has a charcoal fire burning. And he's there, and he's, God, I was hoping you'd show up. See, I I think the real question that's on Peter's mind is, listen, I know there's forgiveness I know that just a few days ago you died for the entire world. I know that there's salvation for everybody, but is there salvation for me? Because everybody, they didn't deny you the way I denied you. They they didn't just sell you out and and no, 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 I didn't know him. And all this Jesus, this relationship that we have, and I, I know you can do it for everyone else, and I know you're welcoming everyone else, but is there forgiveness for me? Is there, Jesus, do you love me? Jesus, do you want me even after 
I've sold you out. He, he stands by the fire. He smells it. All of this, the scriptures even say, it flashed in his mind what Jesus had told him. I just need to know, is there resurrection? All of this happening. And, and, and Jesus is serving them breakfast. And, and I think it's interesting even that Jesus is serving them breakfast. Like, you can't outserve Jesus. I mean, before the cross, Jesus is serving them, washing their feet. During the cross, Jesus is still, still serving them. Son, behold thy mother, mother, behold thy son. After the cross, Jesus is still serving them. Let me cook you breakfast. You just can't outserve Jesus. And he keeps serving and serving, and he's there, and he's, they're eating the breakfast. And then there's this conversation, which, remember, there's a group of them, but it's, now it's this moment, it's just Jesus and Peter. And Jesus knows everything that's going on in Peter's mind. But Jesus knows that, listen, I have failed as a fisherman and I have failed as a disciple. I feel like a failure in life. I'm nowhere near as strong as I am. Is there a hope? Do you want me? And Jesus says this, do you love me? Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah. And he asks again, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Three times Jesus asked Peter. Three times Peter had denied him. Three times Jesus was like, listen, for every time you said no, I want you to know that there's a yes. For every time that you sold me out, I want you to know that there's still hope. Do you love me? And he says these words, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. See, in this moment, Peter, he's letting Peter know there's still purpose in your life. Just because you've messed up doesn't mean your purpose has gone by the wayside. There is still purpose in your life, Peter. Peter, I still want you. Peter, I know I smell the charcoal too, but I still want you, Peter. You're still going to feed my sheep. Even everything you've done, there is purpose. And Jesus says these words that have echoed off of every beach for thousands of years. They did three years before they met the disciples. They did in this moment, and they're still doing it today. He says this, follow me. Follow me. In other words, Peter, it doesn't matter what you've done. Come on, we still got work to do. You need to follow me. Peter, you've followed me in the flesh, and now you're going to follow me in the spirit. Come on, Peter. Follow me. There's still hope. There's still purpose. It doesn't matter what you've done. I know you thought you were stronger. You couldn't even stand up to this little slave girl. But I tell you what, Peter, you're getting ready to stand up to an entire crowd and you're going to preach the gospel and 5,000 people are going to come in one day. You're going to reach out to your hand to someone who needs healing and say, silver and gold have I none, but what I do have I give thee in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. That's who I see. That's who I see in you, Peter. Feed my sheep, Peter. Feed my sheep, Peter. There's still purpose. I still want you, Peter. I still want you, Peter. I'm not done with you. As I feed you, you feed them. Because here's what's really interesting. The scriptures tell us that Jesus already had breakfast waiting for him. He, they're out there. They're fishing. Okay, throw your nets on the right side of the boat. They catch all of this fish. They drag it to shore. Jesus already had what, he, what they needed provided for them. 
Uh, the scriptures say they filled their nets with 153 large fish, so much so that like, the, the, the net, they're just dragging this net so much it weighed it down. Seven grown men trying to get this net to shore. And Jesus was like, hey, hey just even bring some. No, no, it's, it's not even for you. See, see all of these fish are going to feed somebody else. I've already got you guys covered. I've already got y'all covered. This has already been cooking on the fire even before you caught the fish. See, there's so many people, I think, even in this room right now, that you think, if I could just get this, if I could just fill my nets with this, if I could just put a million dollars in my account, if I could just marry that man or marry that woman, if I could just get that degree, if I could just fill my net with this, then, and Jesus is saying, no, 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 I've already got you covered. If you just... Put your life in my hands, you'll realize I'm about to fill your nets, but everything I fill your nets with isn't for you, it's for somebody else. So it doesn't matter if you've got an empty net or a full net, you're going to be okay, Peter. You're going to be okay. But we just want to keep, no, 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 I've got I've to get some more. And Jesus says, I've already got you covered. The question is, am I enough? Am I enough? Am I the pearl of great price or not? And I love the fact that Peter has just filled his net with the best catch. And and he jumps out the boat and says, no, 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 Jesus, I want you. I want you more than I want these fish. Jesus, I'm coming after you. And if if there's forgiveness and hope in your hands and your arms, I want that even more. Because the truth is, it doesn't matter if our nets are empty. It doesn't matter if our nets are full. God, I know you're going to, because you are the prize. If I have you, I have everything. It's, it's a little bit like in the Old Testament where God is distributing lands to all of the children of Israel. And he gets to this one tribe, the tribe of Levite. And, and on the surface, it almost feels like they're left out. Because everyone else gets a portion but them. And God says, no, no, no. I'm your portion. And Jesus comes here and says the same thing to every one of us today. I'm your portion. But the question is... Is Jesus enough? Whether your nets are full or whether your nets are empty. See, if we were to ask Peter, Peter would tell you, listen, you could have a full net and it means nothing if you don't have Jesus. You could have everything you've been chasing after. You could have everything you've been dreaming about. You could have all the followers you want on Instagram. And it means absolutely nothing if you don't find yourself Resting in the arms of your father. Full boats, empty boats, obedience to the word of God. The thing is, we can't keep fishing the way we've always fished. See, I'm here to tell you this morning, some of you guys have been fishing on the left side of the boat, and you've been fishing all night long, and you haven't caught a thing. You've been fishing for 10 years, for 20 years, just trying to make everything work out right, trying to get your marriage together, trying to get your kids to act a certain way, trying to, 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 to be a good provider for your parents, trying to do all these things, and it just feels like you keep coming up empty. You've been fishing on the left side, and God's like, if you'll just move your net to my side of the boat. But it doesn't make any sense because, listen, you're telling me there's no fish here and there's no fish. I'm telling you, you're eight feet away from your blessing. You are eight feet away from your blessing this morning. 
but you've got to be obedient. See, it's not about the space. It's not about the side of the boat. It's about being obedient to the word of God. And God, when you speak, we listen. And even if you say to do something that doesn't make complete sense, if you want to put our net from here to take our net and put it here, God, that's what we'll do because it's your word. And even if you fill it up, it even doesn't matter then because we're still going to listen to your word. To know this and to recognize all that God is doing in our lives. And there's this moment for some of us, we've come and we've, you, you've been living a Christian life year after year after year, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years. But like the disciples, you find yourself in this moment, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. But what now? What do we do now? And like Peter, I just feel like the Lord says, it's time to go fishing. It's time to go back to that place where you first met him. It's time to go back to that place where God... I've made so many things so complex. But I just, I just want to go back to that place where you first called me. And maybe you're in the room this morning, and, and this is your very first encounter with Jesus. And, and all of us find our, 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 ourselves in this place kind of like Peter, where we're just like, ah, I know that there's more, but you don't know what I've done. I've messed up so bad. I've denied him time and time again. And I know there's salvation for everybody else, but is there salvation for me? And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is saying yes. Yes. Yes to you. Remember, return, and recognize the resurrection that's taking place right now. Time after time after time, no one recognized him. They thought he was a gardener. They thought he was a traveler. They thought he was just a cook on the beach. See, but each time, see, for Mary, she didn't recognize him until he said her name. And when he said her name, it's the Lord. For these fishermen, Whenever their nets started filling, it's the Lord. For the guys on the road to Emmaus, when Jesus broke the bread, it's the Lord. Every time Jesus did something familiar, whoa, whoa, and it was like their eyes were open. I'm here to tell you that oftentimes in our lives, we're missing resurrection because it's happening in the ordinary. It's happening in the gardener's. And the travelers, it's happening right next to you. Right now, in this moment, to your left and to your right, there's resurrection power in the room. Jesus is here at this very moment, offering hope and saying, Peter, I want you. I'm asking everyone to please stand to your feet. If you would just close your eyes with me for a moment. Jesus, this, <laughs> this resurrection morning, Lord, for s- some of us in the room that find ourselves no longer wanting to just go through the motions, that have found ourselves caught up with <laughs> a lot of different things, that when we sit down to even to ask ourselves that question, God, are you enough? 
Lord God, that we would be honest with you. Full of the Holy Spirit and wondering what's next. Return. Return to me. Return to that place where you first met me and in life was a whole lot simpler. Let me restore to you the joy of your salvation. Let me just love you like a father and a son and a daughter and know that no matter what you've done, I still want you. You've been trying to to fake it, but your accent is giving you away. And so, Lord God, we do just repent in this moment. We enter in to resurrection power. And we recognize you, Lord God. And we thank you that there's still purpose. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, you're in the room and <laughs> you've been fishing on one side of the boat for a long time and man, the Father's calling you. I just want to invite you, I just want to say a simple prayer with you to, to invite Jesus into your life. And I want to invite you to jump out the boat this morning, to leave everything behind, to leave empty nets behind, to leave full nets behind and say, Jesus, I want you. Because he wants you. If that's you and you're in the room, I'm asking that you just put your hand real high in the air and I just want to pray a prayer with you. Is there anyone this morning that you don't know Jesus? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm asking everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Lord Jesus, God, I repent. I need you. I believe. Help my unbelief. God, fill me with your spirit. Lord, help me to know my purpose. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for loving me. Amen. Amen. Guys, can we give it up? We have somebody in the house this morning. Come on.